With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, hello. Great to be with you as always. And I've got three very happy words to say to you. Snooker is back. Yeah, superb to hear, isn't it? Yeah, good evening. Uh, I always say good evening or morning, however. It's, it's evening when we're recording this. I'm not sure when you're listening. But yeah, um, we have been watching bits and pieces, haven't we, over the last month? But it feels like we've got something proper on the TV, presented properly, commentated on, to look forward to. And it's a big one. Uh, we were just saying before we came in on air that Northern Ireland Open is always a pretty big tournament, but feels massive now because we've all been looking forward for it for so long now. It feels forever. So, yeah, should be a good one. Very much so. And uh, it's also a bit of a, a miracle that we're speaking at all because half the internet's gone down, hasn't it? Actually, the people even call it the internet anymore. It's quite old-fashioned. The old interweb, old granddad here. Um, we've got no Facebook, no Instagram, no WhatsApp. So I'm just wondering, are people actually talking to each other, like face-to-face? Oh, it seems a very old-fashioned thing to do now, doesn't it? Yeah. Might actually go down to the pub and talk to each other. Who knows? Or just resort to Twitter. I know we both spend a lot of time on Twitter, so we may not have noticed. But, yeah, I've paused watching the darts to come and uh, come and do this tonight, so I don't think I really noticed it, to be honest. <laughs> There's going to be some jokes going around, isn't it? It's, it's been nice to get to know my family a little bit, though, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, no, Phil, we are delighted that Snooker's back. Of course we are. The Northern Ireland Open. And I was also thinking... This is the first time that we've kind of gone back to a, a, a traditional venue, if you like. I know the Northern Ireland Open isn't that old, but we're going back to Belfast, whereas obviously the British Open was a restored event and went to a, a new venue in this new era in, in Leicester. The English Open is nomadic anyway. It'll be in Milton Keynes this time. But now it feels like the Northern Ireland public, the Belfast public, that missed their event clearly so much last year, They'll go back to it now. And as you say, if we're all looking forward to it, the people there in Belfast and in and around in Northern Ireland, they'll really relish it, won't they? I should think so, yeah. I think um, hopefully it'll be 
very well attended. I'm sure we're about to talk about it, but some sessions are a blockbuster even in the early days. Um, and obviously it'll build towards the final. Yeah, the Waterfront Hall, I think this, this is only the fourth time it's been there because the first year is the Titanic Centre. Um, but it seems like a great atmosphere. I've never had the pleasure, but um, it gets very good reviews. I have been to Belfast and it's a superb city. Um, so, yeah, hopefully there'll be full houses, uh, rowdy, well, not rowdy, but passionate crowds, let's say. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure they'll be relishing it uh, as we all are. I've forgotten that Titanic yet. Yeah, I mean, that has to be some of the worst sound effects I've ever heard at the snooker <laughs> event. You remember that? It was like, it was just like sort of weirdly echoey and just kind of annoying noises throughout the whole kind of tournament, really. It was like a, a fan or an air conditioner or something was constantly whirring in the background. I, just, I think the whole um, aesthetics were wrong about that place, weren't they? So they quickly sort of dispensed with that. But it seems at the waterfront that it's, the, you know, an ideal venue. And, I, and as, you, as, you, as you said, I've not been inside that venue, but I have been to Belfast. My last time was a couple of years ago, actually, en route to the Open Championship in Port Rush. And I love going to Belfast. It's one of those cities, a little bit like some of the cities in Northern England, actually, in Scotland as well, maybe like a, a Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester, sort of Glasgow type thing, where you always know you're there, if you know what I mean. You couldn't be anywhere else. They're so distinctive. And the people there are so distinctive. And I love that about cities. And it's a, it's a city that's, of course, known, you know, so much sadness, of course, and you can never get away from that. But also... It's a very resilient city as well. And it's a city with great sort of spirit. And I mean, these days are gone for me now generally. But when I first went many years ago now, what a nightlife. I mean, the weekend there is just magnificent. It really is. It's it's a real party town. Yeah. The only time I've been there was on a stag do. So I, I, I got my fair share of the nightlife then. And it was uh, it was great. Yeah. We knew nothing of it as well. I mean, we'll talk about the stuker in a second, I promise. But uh yeah, we, we stayed at Airbnb. We didn't really know where we were. I think it was probably the cheapest one and just wandered into the local pub, which is sort of residential area pub. And it was one of those where like everyone in the pub put their glasses down and then looked at you as you came in. And they were just like, what on earth is this English group of English lads on a stag do doing here? One bloke said, I've never seen a, I've not seen a Protestant for 20 years. <laughs> didn't really know what to do with ourselves, but they were all very friendly. Uh, they were just very shocked to see us there. But yeah, uh, we had a great time in the end. So yeah. Uh, I would love to be there in the coming week, but maybe another time. Well, it, indeed. And all, all we can say is that the home nations have switched around their, their kind of order a little bit, haven't they? So Northern Ireland has is, is often been second, I think, but now coming first. And uh, yes, after six or seven weeks off, as it's been, it feels like a long time ago since that British Open, heavens mm. above. But but we you know we really will look forward to this event and there's and there's um, some smashing matches as you say particularly next Sunday we'll come to that in a couple of moments uh, but Phil I'd like to uh, actually just talk us through the final days of Scottish Open qualifiers since we last spoke now this is not going to be a podcast to record where we dot the i's and cross the t on every match ever played but I think when we introduced an element to the season like we did we like to finish off so a few results of note on day four of of those qualifiers Alan Taylor beat Stephen Hendry 4-0 that's Hendry right back down to earth actually after beating Michael White in English Open qualifying Uh, Luca Bussell beat Alexander Urson back at 4-2 and then Jackson Page beat Aaron Hill 4-2 is Jackson going to escape the curse of Metcalf (laughs) or Phil Hay? Good result for him there, yeah. That might be the turning point for him. 
<laughs> well, Jordan Brown, who, um, uh, uh, of course, we know all about that most famous of all underdog wins at the Welsh Open last season. He beat Barry Pinches 4-1 on day five. Uh, and on that same day, Martin Gould beat Zhang Jiankang 4-2. And on the final day, day six of qualifying for the Scottish Open, uh, Mitchell Mann beat Rian Evans 4-2. And then a match I want to hear a bit about from you, because I know you've mentioned that you saw it, was Ken Doherty beating Ali Carter 4-3. Not only was it a superb win for Ken, congratulations to him, but it sounded like it was an absolute thriller at the end there, that final frame, Bill. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I was actually watching the Rianne against Mitchell game um, and sort of quickly realised I was watching the wrong game. I think I was, saw some, someone tweet about Ali and Ken and because uh, Evans and Mann was a bit of a slog, to be honest. It was very edgy all the way through. Um, but uh, Carter and Doherty were rattling through the frames and Carter won the first two and, you, you know, he would have been a hot favourite for that game. But Ken came back strong. Got it to a decider. Um, I think Ken in the to take it to a decider made seventy odd, and then yeah, it was drama in that last one. Ken made oh god, I can't remember the scores now, but he made thirty or forty and then missed. And then Carter looked like he was just clearing up. He made sixty odd, and then met, missed the final red, which it was like a little tricky one to middle from a fairly tight angle, but he definitely would have expected to get it because he was just dropping it in, um, and he but he missed it. And then Ken cleared up, won it on the black, uh, 4-3. So, yeah, it was a, it was an absolute thriller. It was great. Um, they were sort of both making breaks. I think there were sort of six or seven half centuries between them. Um, so, yeah, great game. Um, really well played by Ken because Ali, we've said this a load of times on here, um, for the last sort of nine, ten months now, has been playing really well. So, um, yeah, thrilling game. Congratulations to Ken because... And I know when he won his first game at the, the British Open, they made the joke on commentary a few times that he wouldn't shut up about it and he was telling everyone how he was into the next round <laughs> over and over again. So I'm sure he'll be relishing this win over a top player in Ali Carter. Very much so. Congratulations to him, of course. Plenty of life, snooker life left in Ken Doherty. Yeah, as you say, the Peter Pan of this sport, Phil. Yeah. He, he barely looks three or four years older than when he won in 97, that world title, let alone a quarter of a century. But anyway, um, we, we will now look forward to the Northern Ireland Open. And it begins on Saturday night. It's actually a nine-day tournament. And there will be three tables in operation at any one time. That's how many can sensibly fit into the, the main arena there. And television coverage actually begins next Sunday, TV coverage proper. Uh, you will be able to see some action uh, on Saturday night on the app. That's... Uh, the Eurosport app, and that's, of course, very very UK-centric there. There'll be different ways of, of watching if you're abroad, of course. And, uh, well, there's lots of action to look forward to. On that first night, there are three matches. Anthony McGill, uh, Lee Walker is one of them. And, uh, well, I guess the thing to say about that, Phil, is it's we'll see how switched on McGill is because we, we know how he gets himself up for those bigger events, particularly the World Championship. But as he sort of revealed to you recently, he doesn't always find the motivation for those other ones. And uh, well, you'll have to here because Lee Walker had a couple of uh, decent wins at the British Open, actually. He beat Sanderson Lam and Mark King there. So, yeah, what sort of McGill we'll see is um, is anyone's guess at times, isn't it, in events like these home nations? Yeah, it really is. And uh, with such a long break between playing um you can i'm sure you'll really be able to tell how many of these uh the top boys have been practicing hard and which ones haven't but uh i sort of hoped 
that interview I did with him in, in Leicester, hopefully maybe him just sort of vocalising that might have just kicked him back into gear. Because, um, it, yeah, it didn't sound great what he was saying about sort of not really trying the rest of the year. So um, it'd, be, uh, it'd be good if he is uh, playing properly because he obviously is a superb player. Uh, can beat anyone his day as he's shown. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see uh, the right Antimina Gill in the, in the coming week. Although I'm sure Lee Walker won't be hoping for that. <laughs> Absolutely right. And another interview you've done, which you, you sent out today, actually, Monday in the UK, with Jimmy Robertson. And he is talking a much more confident game, isn't he? He seems to have uh, got his head in the right place with some help. You know, he, he seems to have a, a fresh mental approach to the game. Helped by the physical, he's getting into his sort of fitness, his running, and he, he feels like he's he's got new management as well, and he's in a good place. Had some decent results this season, of course. He reached the semi-finals of the British Open, went totally under the radar that week. I think mm. we said at the time. There was so much talk about nearly everybody else, but bearing in mind Jimmy reached the last four, he was barely talked about, uh, really. Well, he's playing Zhu Yu Long, who he's got a superb record against winning four out of four matches. But, I mean, Zhu Yu Long was also a, 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 someone that had a very good run. He, he reached the quarterfinals at the British Open. So an unpredictable kind of match this, this was. But um, I know we spoke briefly before starting recording. It sounds like Jimmy was, was good fun to chat to. Yeah, that was the first time I spoke to him, really. Um, seemed like a great guy. Um, and I've got so much respect for players that sort of struggling and then actually go out and do something about it. Uh, because he had a couple of bad years, especially last year was... Uh, not a great year at all for him. He nearly lost his tour card. He needed to win a game in World Championship qualifying just to stay on tour, which is a bit of a surprise because um, he's, he's a really good player on his day. Obviously, he won that European Masters three years ago, which, to be fair, was sort of completely out of the blue, but it shows what he can do. Um, and, yeah, he got through his Championship League group, the first one, semis at the British, and he's won his two qualifiers that he's played so far. So he's had a great start to the season. The only, the only thing that came out of that interview is that He's been stuck indoors for a week, uh, isolating because he tested positive COVID. So that will have halted his momentum a bit because he has literally been sat in his house. So he hasn't been able to practice. But uh, uh, otherwise, you'd fancy his chances in this one because uh, he's in fine form. And Zhou Yulong hasn't, hasn't played loads, really. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, that. And the head-to-heads don't always count for loads. But as he said in that interview, if you find it on my Twitter and give it a read... Uh, he certainly won't be, it doesn't do any harm to your confidence if you played someone four times and won them all. So, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Looking forward to that. It's a shame it's not uh, on the TV for everyone to see, but definitely give it a watch on the app. Yes, Jao Gulong, good on the pronunciation, and Neil Poir for Metcalf there. Um, Christopher Clifford um, against Gao Yang. Now, that, that's a, a home hope there, Christopher Clifford, but a, but a youngster we don't know too much about. That's a really big stage for him, isn't it, next Saturday night? It is, yeah. I, mean, I didn't know much about him at all. Uh, shout out to Elliot West, who wrote so many great snooker articles on the Green Bay's 1972. Um, he wrote a little write-up of Christopher Clifford, a 19-year-old from Northern Ireland who's been given a shot in this. Um, he's out in Portugal playing at the uh, the age range European Championships over there. I think he's in the under-21s. Uh, so he's got a bit of a crazy week uh, over in Portugal, then back in time for that. Uh, and he's got it all in his hands. Gary Young has played is obviously a lot more experienced than him, even though he's still a young man. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. He'll certainly have the crowd on his side uh, on Saturday night, that's for sure. Yes, certainly will. We'll look forward to that. And another thing we sort of mentioned before we started is that it's a bit of a strange kind of situation with some of the matches, qualifiers, 
or as some people said, they're not actually strictly qualifiers. They're like first round matches, but some of them being played before and some of them then during the actual event proper. But what it does mean is you can have really, really exciting, brilliant lineups. And we have that next Sunday. I mean, this is a, a proper super Sunday of, of snooker, Phil. And it starts off in, at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, next Sunday with Stephen Maguire, Stephen Hallworth, Stuart Bingham against Ben Hancorn and Yan Bing Tao against Hossein Vafai. Well, Maguire is unpredictable always, isn't he? I mean, he had a half-decent run at the British Open. Stephen Hallworth struggled for results so far this season. As for the Bingham-Hancorn, Bingham we had on here, of course, on the podcast a few weeks ago, fabulous guest. And it struck me he was talking quite a lot about tailoring his season around the UK, of course. He needs that to complete the Triple Crown. So he might not be peaking right at this moment. Uh, Hancorn had a decent win against Joe Perry at the, the British Open recently, so Bingham will need to be on his guard. And then Yanbing Tao Hossein Vafai looks like a really uh, interesting game, actually. Um, I mean, we saw from Hossein Vafai uh, last season, certainly reaching the uh, quarterfinal of the World Grand Prix, that he can he can go quite deep at these tournaments, beat Zhao Yulong and Ding Junhui in that event. But of course, Yan, the Masters champion, will start as favourite. So we're expecting the first name of, in those three matches to emerge victorious, Phil. But it wouldn't be an enormous surprise if if any of them went the other way type thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, as you say, Maguire, you're never really sure what you're going to get with him. And Holworth's had a couple of good wins, actually, in the qualifying so far. So he's only had to play two because this is obviously a held over one. But he's beaten Sam Craig and, and Ricky Walden, which was a really notable win because said a couple of times, I sort of fancy Ricky to have a good season this year. Beat him 4-3 and he decided, actually both of those games were decided. So I think Hallworth's really sort of a, a play on the up. So Maguire will have to be playing well to beat him, I think. Um, and of course he can. If Maguire is playing well, then he beats most people, but you're never quite sure what he's going to do. Um, Bingham, when we all know how much he loves playing, so I sort of expect him to be all right, but... Uh, yeah, Jan against Vafai, sort of arguably the tie of the round. It's a great little tie, that. Uh, and Jan hasn't had many matches because he's not had to play in these, as you say, sort of air quote qualifiers so far. But um, I don't know, without being accused of stereotyping anything, I never have too much fear about the Chinese players, how much they practice, because they never really stop practicing. They absolutely love it. Um, so I'm sure he'll be well prepared. But again, he'll have to be because I say Vafai is great on his day. Um, we haven't really seen him quite do that next step. I think a lot of people think he's capable of doing the next step towards or maybe even into the top 16. He hasn't quite done it yet, but he certainly can. Um, he knocked Judd Trump out of one of the home nations last year, of course, in Wales. So um, he certainly can do it if he's playing well. But, uh, yeah, we don't know how, how if you can watch all these three. Did we did we work that out? But uh, if you can watch Ian against Fafai, that would certainly be one to watch. Yes, I don't know the answer to that exactly. I, I would have thought that the, the, the coverage on the morning is actually on the app as well. Mm. So it might well be that it's a selected match, would it not be? I think and then the main television coverage, I'm pretty sure, starts next Monday, uh, sorry, next Sunday afternoon. And that will be, again, one match they choose in each, yeah. in each segment, I think. I think. It might be one way of venture to the, to the bookmakers to watch it again. Yeah, of course. They always do, don't they? Um, but, um, well, they. You know, they with some of these selections, they've really got um got their, their work cut out making the choice actually because next Sunday afternoon, uh, Jack Lisowski against Ashley Hugill, John Higgins against Joe O'Connor, and Mark Selby against Mark Lloyd. 
Uh, maybe I'll let you talk about these because I feel like I'm I'm I'm, ho- I'm hocking the first go at all these. But um, one thing I will say is, of course, Lesowski now undoubtedly the best player not to win a ranker. There's no question anymore. Dave Gilbert, yeah. Dave Gilbert might have been a challenger for that position, but now thankfully Dave now got that off his back, so it's definitely back. And we're, we're expecting to do it soon, won't we? But um, it might even come this time. Who knows? Yeah, well, I think Gilbert said it. Uh, right, and he said he's looking. He's glad that Jack's got that now. He never has to talk about it again. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, Lasowski. Really, we, I mean, we said a lot of these people haven't played. The top sixteen guys haven't played. Lasowski's played as little as anyone because he didn't play the Championship League, and he got beaten first round of the British Open in quite a big shot by. Uh, it was Barry Pinchers, wasn't it? Um, if I've remembered that correctly. Yes. Yeah, sure. uh, so yeah, he is going to be coming in as cold as it gets, really. And uh, Hugill's not had any particularly great results of late he's lost a couple of qualifiers but both by in the deciding frame so even though he's not been picking up loads of wins um he has played a lot of frames and actually i'm just looking through his results now of course he knocked kyron wilson out in the first round of the british open so that's quite a scalp and he got through his first group of the championship league so really actually i'm saying he's not been getting loads of results it's not a bad start to the season at all from him so um if you're looking for an upset uh, that might be one because Hugo has played a reasonable amount and got some good results so far. And Lasowski really hasn't done well, hasn't well, I was gonna say, hasn't had the opportunity. He could play the Championship League and he hasn't. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. Higgins and O'Connor obviously have a, a little bit of history. Um, because O'Connor's beaten him twice before. Um, that memorable run at the Welsh Open a couple of years ago, beat Higgins on the way, and then he beat him out in China as well. Um, Higgins has got a measure of revenge since then, he did beat him. Um, that was at the Welsh as well. Um, but yeah, so O'Connor can and how is he can beat John Higgins. I, I don't know if I'd be betting on to, to do it now, but uh, you know, you never know if he's beaten him twice before. Um, and then Selby against Lloyd, you would probably say of the three, uh, Selby's the, the clearest favourite, I imagine. It's certainly in my mind, anyway. Yes, I, I think I'd, I'd go along with, with, with pretty much everything you said there. Um, we know John Higgins has, has, has written new new lease of life down here because, of course, he's a he's a new man in many ways. Mm. His own fitness regime has paid off. He, he he reports to be feeling absolutely great. He looks superb, and you know, you know, as every season goes on, there's that little sort of thing in the back of your mind: could this be when this class of '92 starts to perhaps to dip? But they, they show no signs of it as the seasons go on. So we're expecting uh, more good things from him. Yes, Lizowski, one of those not to have played much. It's a very good way of saying it. Um, the thing that strikes me about Selby is that he, he might enjoy having a more sort of normal event again now because that was quite an intense experience, I think, for him playing in Leicester, wasn't it? I mean, it was short format anyway. Was it Ali Carter lost to? I think it was. Yeah, it? it was, yeah. yeah. He actually um, will have felt it. You know, he may he may have played it down, but I think he would have felt it big time playing playing in Leicester. And I think you know, without those obvious distractions of being in front of all his mates, his family, I think he you know might be looking at a run. And um, yeah, Mark Lloyd ha- will obviously be underdog there. He hasn't had uh, too many good results this season. He did draw with Michael Holt in in a short Championship League match, so that's that's something that he's got under his belt this season. But Yes, you fancy Selby there. And then the, the next lot of matches, well, they're also, you know, really good. I mean, this is a, a, a top, top day of action. Uh, Mark Allen v. C. Dry, he 
Robbie McGuigan against Sam Craigie and Neil Robertson, Barry Pinches. The thing to say about Alan, of course, is this is his home event, um, Phil, and he just doesn't cut the mustard here, you know, but by his high standards. He actually reached the last eight in his first one, but I think it's in second round, first round, fourth round and third round. I mean, last year was in Milton Keynes, but it still had the branding of the Northern Ireland uh, name to it. So he must feel the pressure, uh, no doubt about it. He'd love to, to go all the way. He's obviously, you know, the number one player from Northern Ireland. So, you know, uh, we'll see if he gets on better this time. Another Northern Ireland uh, player hoping to make an impression will, will be Robbie McGuigan, of course. Um, and, well, Alan Stepson, of course, the teenager playing in his home event. And, well, McGuigan actually lost all his matches in the in the Championship League, 3-0, so not the best at Omen there. As for Craigie, we saw him at the World Championship, didn't we, losing to Mark Williams. Uh, so an interesting match there. And Robertson, we mentioned before uh, coming on air that I don't think we've seen Neil. I mean, he, he did get married, obviously, and missed the British Open. I'm pretty sure he also didn't play in the Championship League. So I don't think we've seen him since last April. So we're pretty much coming up half a year now. It was late April, wasn't it? And I'm wondering if Neil's ever had such a long break in his sort of long professional um, career and life in the game, Phil. It must be pushing it. There's very rarely you go the best part of six months without playing. Uh, I'm certain he has been practising. He won't be turning up here without having been down the club. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a seriously long stint without... Uh, without playing competitively. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I was going to say of a short format. I suppose best of seven doesn't seem that short anymore after we've had the British Open, but uh, it is a short format, really. Uh, obviously, Barry Pinchers would be going in... He will be going in as a distant second favourite with the bookmakers, uh, and but maybe he'll be slightly shorter, uh, slightly shorter price than he normally would, but probably take a brave man to still be betting on Barry Pinchers against Neil Robertson. Yeah, I think my boy Pinches, he, he, never, he never sort of goes in very overawed by, by playing. No. I think he's just, well, he, he's got so many miles on the clock, hasn't he, Barry? He's just sort of um, sort of level-headed wherever he's playing. But yes, you'd expect the extra quality of Neil to tell there for sure. Well, if we thought the daytime play next Sunday is, is good, Phil, then the nighttime is even better. I mean, never mind country fire, that antiques roadshow or... <laughs> Or what, what would normally be on your television Sunday night, uh, Phil? Hey, I watched yesterday. After... Maybe uh, that's finished now, isn't it? <laughs> I watched uh, uh, Gone Fishing was on last night, isn't it? But which is superb, yeah. Bob Moore and Paul Whitehouse. If there's anyone listening who hasn't watched that, then give yourself a little treat. Superb programming. Yeah, it's lovely warm television. That um, I, I tend to watch quite a bit of sport actually after work on a, on a Sunday night, a lot of NFL action, but. Next Sunday evening, my eyes will be on the bays because we have lots of heavyweights playing. And maybe you'd like to talk about Judd Trump, Andrew Padgett, Kyron Wilson, Jamie Clark, and uh, Gary Wilson, Jordan Brown. Uh, again, three three smashing matches. Yeah, really good. Um, Judd Trump, all, well, Judd and Kyron, we haven't seen hardly at all, have we? Um, British Open, neither of them went particularly far. Uh, Kyron went out of the first round. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Jamie Clark is a tricky one for Kyron there. Uh, again, Kyron was one. I'm sure he'll have been practicing hard. Uh, actually, speaking him tomorrow morning, so I'll ask him. It'll be too late <laughs> to make this recording, but uh, I'll find out. Um, yeah, you'd expect both both those seeds to come through, um, but 
Jamie Clark especially will prove a, a tricky task. Um, then Gary Wilson, it's Jordan Brown. Um, Jordan Brown's sort of in need of, res- of a result, you, sort of, you feel. Uh, not a lot has happened since that amazing triumph in Wales, um, but he's going to have it tough against Gary Wilson. Obviously, that run to the, the final of the British Open, uh, and he's been playing well. Um, he, he got drawn against Cal Yupeng, didn't he, in another one of the qualifiers. I think it was the Scottish, which I tweeted beforehand. Now, no one wants to be drawn against Cal Yupeng because he looks great. I think Wilson saw him off 4-1, I think it was. He was quite comfortably. Um, and I saw Wilson also won. Um, there's a lot of these programs being played again, which is great. A lot of match practice for lots of players, which is excellent. And he won one of those. So he, he seems sharp. Um, so you'd make both Wilson's favourite there. But uh, yeah, so Brown will start to be sort of questioning himself, I imagine, uh, looking for some more results because he's had a, first, a fair few first round exits since that. Amazing result, but yeah, great names to watch though. Um, I'd probably be backing all the favourites there, which is a boring thing to say, but uh, I'm afraid it's true. Certainly a very fair thing to say. I mean, yeah, it's interesting with Jordan Brown, isn't it? I mean, I'll be totally honest. I think if you put a wager on what he'd be like after that famous win, I think you'd be leaning towards what actually has happened. I think that's mm. not that surprising because he he just did something so out of the ordinary for him and out of out of the ordinary for the sport. I mean, some people think it was the most surprise ranking event win ever. And most people say it's in the top four or five. Yeah. So, you know, to, to go from that to to face the other events in the months after that and then in this new season, I can see why he is sort of struggling in a way uh, to, to, to sort of replicate that. But listen, he showed he, he, that week how much quality he's got. And I think any time he wants to, you know, refresh himself, he can probably look at videos of that and think, look, I've done it. I've beaten Ronnie in the final. I've, I've beaten all these brilliant players. He beat Selby and Root, didn't, didn't he? And some other big wins as well. He showed that he has got the quality. So I'm sure it will come for him him again soon. Yeah, That's very of- much actually what in that Robertson interview I did. And that's exactly what he was saying about his, his surprise win at the European. And he very quickly... He's saying he didn't expect to just suddenly be winning events, but he thought he might boost him up from where he was. But he went yeah. back to sort of a lot of first rounders. But he said exactly what you were saying there. If ever he's struggling, and maybe it's not even him reminding it, but someone he knows will be like, "You have won it. You can do it. Look what you've done." And it is a very helpful reminder that uh, in black and white or in, or in glorious technical on YouTube, you can watch what you've done in the past. Yeah, it's funny because. Yeah, I just trying to think of other sports people I know. I can think of a few jockeys that say, oh, they never watch any of their races, really. So, I don't know. I think every sports person differs. But I think there's quite a lot in snooker that do watch their matches. I always mm. remember Stuart Bingham was always saying how, from time to time, he'll put on his world final win. And I think I can think of a few that sort of said, yeah, I do tend to watch things. Because they're, I guess if they've lost their form to some extent, they can look for clues is not just to yeah. revel in magic moments is it it's to look for you know clues as to I guess anything really it could be technical it could be seeing about the, the way they go about their business on the table it could be a mental thing it, you know it, it can be a very good refresher course can't it yeah I think it's all on your personality and you've got to strike the right balance I think uh, you can really sort of forensically go into everything you do if you're watching around the video and uh, and try and sort of replicate watch a game you won try and replicate everything you did even sort of walking around the table sitting in your seat which could be helpful or 
or it could just fill your mind and stuff that you're trying to remember too much. Um, so, yeah, as you say, every player will be different uh, in terms of how much you do and don't watch. But, yeah, I would imagine you would think it would just be common sense to watch some, whether it's when you were playing great or when you were playing really badly, to see what, what was working and what wasn't. Um, but maybe that's why players have coaches, so they can do boring things like that. <laughs> well, uh, the thing to say about Judd Trumpet, of course, he's got an extraordinary record in this tournament. He's going for, it's four in a row, isn't it, he's going yep. for now. And, yep. and, and, and as you said, the smart money's on beating Ronnie 9-7 in the final, which has been the outcome the last three times, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Heaven knows what the odds are for that. Um, and of course, in the general sense, he has been outstanding the last two or three seasons. I mean, he he won six events two seasons ago and five events last season. And I think he has said, you know, that he's going to struggle to keep doing that. I mean, Anthony Hamilton told us, didn't he, that Judd will fall into a more normal pattern now, in his opinion, like maybe two, three type thing. So maybe we'll start to see that this season. But again, you know, the thing with Judd, once he gets off the mark, you know, he's not the kind of guy that will then go quiet for a few weeks. You can see like one, two, three coming quite kind of quickly. You know, he he's a snowball effect type player, isn't he? Yeah, and these he seems to rack up all the different length tournaments as well. I know so there's been all this talk about whether he can do it in the World Championship and he could have done more. And he obviously has won it. But he's won every different length of tournament. He, he racks up these home nations, does well in the sort of... Um, the Grand Prix won last season. Obviously, he's won the UK, won the world. So, um, yeah, he's he'll still go in as the favourite for everything. I think with the bookies, won't he this season? Be surprised if if not. Um, so, yeah, he's 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 almost nailed on as a quarter finalist. He was last season. It just seemed that he that was just guaranteed. So, um, we'll see again. Like we've said with all these guys, they've had a unusual amount of time off the top guys so um, if there's a good time to catch him it might be early very early in this one but uh, probably won't work to be honest yeah yeah John and Kyron are quite similar like that you can almost put them in the quarterfinals can't you I mean mean, Kyron had a run last season he didn't win that much Kyron actually but he did constantly get to the last eight so he's racking up constant ranking points and and money for himself and yeah he, he has that great consistency so I was thinking, you know, if you if you, if you back Kyron, you know, then each way, you, you you always sort of got half a chance type thing. Um, next Sunday night, the the next set of matches: Ronnie O'Sullivan against Stuart Carrington, uh, Barry Hawkins against Julian Boyko, and Mark Williams against Mark Joyce. Well, we've hardly seen Ronnie, have we? I mean, he did play mm-hmm. in the first bit of Championship League action, but then sort of pulled out of the next stage. So we don't know what kind of Ronnie we'll get apart from to say that if he's brilliant, it won't surprise us. And if he's sort of half baked, it, you know, goes out early again, it won't <laughs> be that surprising as well. So it's unpredictable, but, but it's always special to see him, of course. As for Barry Hawkins, I was looking, it's over two years now since he won an event, the Paul Hunter classic in, in summer 2019, which is surprising for a player of that quality. Again, he's consistent. And as, as we know, <laughs> it's almost like the, 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 the Barry Bingo, isn't it? A bit like with with with, with a Bingham, <laughs> with a Bingham Bingo, where you've got to say that he likes playing and everything. With Barry, you've got to say he's under the radar, but of course he often is. That's the nature of him. He's a very humble chap, and he, he, he he'll go on, you know, 
runs where he, he gets relatively deep in ranking events without anyone even noticing. So, you know, he, he can do that. Julian uh, Boyko, I think I'll have a soft spot for quite some time now, Phil, because he, um, well, he inspired the first bit of singing from me on, on Talking Snooker last week. <laughs> Only a two-second burst, but but that, that was enough. And uh, Mark Williams, well, word about him on the Snooker uh, podcast, World Snooker Tour official podcast last week. I loved it that uh, Michael McMullen kind of pushed Mark quite a bit on whether anything gets him riled. And you could see the answer was sort of no. Mm. I mean, he eventually said moaning, didn't he? Because he kind of... He felt like he had to say something, but I thought it was a lo- the lovely idea that almost nothing gets to Mark Williams. I mean, it, it, he has that lovely sort of laid back way, way of his. But I think what we glean from that interview and other ones he's done is, yeah, he's in a pretty good place, really. He's kind of enjoying his snooker and seems to have quite a lot of snooker life left in him yet. We mentioned, didn't we, you know, when he um, won the British Open that, you know, he's won two since Judd's won his last one, which is amazing, really. So, you know, he, you know, the Indian summer on top of the Indian summer for him. And, uh, well, of course, we saw Mark Joyce, didn't we, at the Crucible for the first time uh, in the spring. So maybe he'll be looking to build on some of those happy vibes in the new season. But again, it, it, it's O'Sullivan, Hawkins and Williams that will start as favourites there. And uh, kind of expecting the big names to go through, aren't we, even though it's short format? I think so. I think Ronnie... Going to Belfast in front of a crowd again, like you said, going back to a proper venue that played before. Um, I'm sure he'll be up for that. He'll, and even though he's lost those last three finals, which is unusual, but it's still a very good record, isn't it? If you, I think anyone else would take three finals on the spin. Um, although when it's O'Sullivan, if he doesn't win something, it seems mad. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting a decent performance from him. Um, oh, I spoke to Stuart Carrington the other day. Let's look out for that one uh, coming out this week. Um, and he actually beat Ronnie the first time they played them, played each other. Um, it was a German Masters, uh, quite yeah, it was yeah, it was the second round of the German Masters, but that was still a qualifier, um, in Wigan, I think it was. Um, but yeah, he said, even though it's sort of the last 64 in a, in a leisure center in Wigan, obviously, it's one of the most special wins of his career because he's beaten Ronnie O'Sullivan and doesn't happen every week. Um, so he knows he can do it, he's well up for it. I think he's. He said something like, "If you can't get up for playing Ronnie O'Sullivan, then what? Why would you be playing snooker?" So he's not—he's not afraid. So that'll be interesting. And Carrington's one of those players. I think is sort of better than his ranking and some of his results suggest. Which I say some things like that sometimes, and I think, well, that doesn't make any sense because your results are your results, and yeah, your ranking is your ranking for a reason. But I, I sort of can see him going up the up the rankings rather than down. Um, but having said all that, you would expect O'Sullivan to win, wouldn't you? Um, Boyko is very exciting to watch. She does all sorts of mad stuff. Got a great win against Louis Heathcote um, the other, other day of the week. Um, but again, Barry will surely have too much for him unless unless everything's just flying in for Boyko. And then yeah, Williams. You're never that surprised if he loses, I suppose. But equally not surprised if he wins the tournament. So um, always always worth a watch. But he's clearly playing well, didn't he? Um, won the British Open. Although having said that. He won the British Open by playing quite badly for at least half of it. <laughs> but he knows how to get over the line, doesn't he? And uh, you can't take that away from him. He's got enough ring craft to share around the whole tour. <laughs> yeah, nice way of saying it. So the, the, the German Masters qualifier in the Leisure Centre in Wigan, and they asked me why I like snooker, Phil Hay. <laughs> Honestly, it reminds me, seriously, before we started recording this, I went on a little... Uh, 
uh, early evening walk and uh, beyond thinking how the times have changed dramatically already dark now pretty mm. much well by seven it's almost pitch black so um, the, the times they are changing in terms of the season. I was also thinking a little bit about different things as sort of snooker and I was laughing again about you know the, the idea that the the Scottish Open qualifiers are or have been in Barnsley and the tournament itself was in Landudno. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, or Clandidno, we should say. So, I mean, you know, come on. You, you can't improve on perfection sometimes, can you, Phil? That, that, <laughs> that's got to be right up there, isn't it? The, 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 yeah. the Scottish Open being played in England and Wales. We know the reasons, by the way. We're only, we're only having a... a we're only we're only having a sort of little josh and pulling pulling the legs maybe of the, of the organizers but they were, they were unlucky with what happened we know that yeah. they should do the they should do the the trophy presentation in northern ireland for that one just to complete the set that would be a proper home nation way to do <laughs> it certainly. um now some other matches after after next sunday to look forward to uh, that i've scribbled down here lou how shamri ali carter that uh, should be an interesting one. Sean Murphy against Bai Lang Ning. Of course, Murphy, a world finalist in the spring. So he showed uh, with that run, he still has all the quality in the world. Ollie Lines against Ben Wollaston. As you said, Ollie's had some good results so far this season. David Gilbert against David Grace. Battle of the Davids there. Gilbert finally a ranking event winner. And I think the chances are he'll have another one probably even this campaign because he's that type now he'll have so much confidence I know we said that thing about Jordan Brown but that's a that's a different kind of thing when it's an unknown kind of player that's that's kind of done that very unexpected thing when it's someone like Dave Gilbert that's been knocking on the door for well, years now you know you, you just cannot overestimate how big that was who who was it saying now that it's a funny thing that that Gilbert's done it and now he'll win a few it might, might have been Mark Williams again in the last week. I'm not sure. Someone's saying that, that, that it, you know, it might have been Bingham actually when he joined us. And he, he was saying that, you know, Gilbert has done it now. And, you know, he, he'll have, you know, you watch him go now this season. That could well be the case. Uh, Ricky Walden, Martin O'Donnell, another interesting match. Ricky Walden's had some good results this season, quarter finalist at the British Open. And uh, shootout winner Ryan Day against Liam Highfield. So loads of good matches to get us excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill, like, you know, our, Maybe you'd like to talk about some of those matches. And there's some, you know, some 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 top old watches we've got in the days to come, haven't we? Yeah, I suppose that Sunday we'll grab all the headlines because it's nearly all the top players. Right? Sean Murphy's snuck onto the Monday. Um, and that's an interesting one because Bailang Ning is a exciting young player. He got all the way to the final group at the Championship League, which also seems like quite a long time ago, doesn't it? It's been such a funny start to the season. Yeah. Um, but he had some great results in that. Um, and he's an amateur, so... Uh, he's clearly good enough to compete, but uh, I'm sure it won't be long until he gets his tour card back. Um, Liang Wenbo, Luca Bracells doesn't sound like a first round match, does it? Um, it sounds like it could be further up. Um, Bracell had a good win over us and back we mentioned the other day. So that's interesting. Um, there's a few of the guys we mentioned uh, that there's nine players that have played 3 1 3 qualifiers so far, and a few of them in the action here. Um, I suppose it's worth just reading these out. The, the nine perfect qualifiers, as they're written down, uh, are Gilbert, Martin Gould, Tom Ford, Zhao Gudong, Sonny Akani, Chris Wakelin, Ollie Lines, Fergal O'Brien, and Zhu Xi. So some that you would expect there, some that I guess maybe you wouldn't expect so much. Um, the guys rank just outside the top 16. You'd expect to do well. So Gilbert winning, winning his three quite comfortably, fair enough. But even so, they're such banana skins all matches, so... 
doing well to do win all three. But yeah, Ollie Lyme's really been eye catching. We mentioned him before on here, um, and I guess in normally Ben Wollaston would be favourite to beat him, but I imagine a few people would be tipping lines to to beat Wollaston this time round because he's been in in really sparkling form. Um, but yeah, plenty to look forward to there. Um, Jackson Page, another chance to break the Metcalf course, the curse, but tough one against Nopon. Um, and yeah, it takes the first round. It's quite long. We're still we're still playing the first round on Wednesday, having started on on Saturday. So uh, it's quite a drawn out affair. But uh, as we say, plenty to look forward to. There. No, there really is, and um, and yes, it's very very long and drawn out. But I guess you. The good thing about the through tables and operation is you can get your head around it quite easily to, to mm. some extent. I mean, it's a bit bang, 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 the home nations, isn't it? Which I, I actually kind of like. I said it before, you know, certainly from a newsman point of view, the stories never cop, never stop coming. And I like that. You, you, you don't get a chance to get bored. There's always something going on. And, mm. uh, and I'm a sort of big fan of that. But, you know... <laughs> With the three tables, you you can tend to be probably across it more than you perhaps normally would be. And I think just generally speaking, we're just really looking forward to it, aren't we, Phil? Because as, as we said, it's been a long break without action. A lot of these guys, you know, on, on tour, they're very under-snookered, frankly. And, and we'll see how well a lot of them have, have been have been practising or how much they have been. I mean, if, I know I've heard Mark Selby say it. I've heard Bingham say it. They were going to, you know, get the golf clubs out, not the snooker queue for about three or four of those weeks, because they was like, you know, <laughs> the greatest win in the world. It's such a long gap that they might be better off having that intense two or three weeks practice rather than doing it kind of for weeks on end. So it's been a funny kind of period. But now, as we get more into the sort of the heart of the season again, and we start getting, you know, action most weeks, they'll soon get into it, won't they? Yeah, uh, you would expect a bit of rustiness, definitely. But th- th- those toxic steams—they're so good that there will be some rustiness. But also, one or two of them will just turn up and knock in three centuries and win four 0 in the first round because that's just what they're like. Um, but yeah, it, there surely will be uh, one or two surprises because it's been such a disjointed start of the season. Or and as you said, in sort of Neil Robertson's point of view, it hasn't been disjointed at all. This is the start of it, which is which is pretty crazy, really. Um, so, yeah, you've got to sort of expect those guys that have ha- had a few matches and done well so far. Um, like we mentioned, Gary Wilson, David Gilbert, um, those guys will be to look out for, really, in this event, I reckon. Um, got some wins, got some confidence un- under the belt um, and should be should be pretty sharp. Um, but it'll be interesting, these home nations, as we said, now the British Open has trumped it in shortness, but... Uh, we always sort of thought the best of sevens would produce an awful lot of shocks. And while there are always a few, it does it does usually seem to be the big names that get gets the end as illustrated in the Northern Ireland Open more than any other when it's just John Judd Trump against Ron Hero Sullivan in the final every year. So uh, expect some shots, but not uh, not too many. Exactly. I mean, when the first sort of home nations events came along. We had the Mark King win, win in Northern Ireland and it was Anthony Hamilton on the same season, wasn't it? I think the 16, 17 one. Yeah, I think, I think so. It was. So it was like literally a few months later, we had Anthony Hamilton. I mean, that was just a, I mean, what a season for snooker romantics that was. Those two guys had been on tour forever and a day winning events. And I think we all thought, ah, best of sevens, we're going to start seeing some, some real shocks here. 
But actually, there haven't been that many surprising winners since, have there? One or two maybe surprise finalists, but we've had all the sort of... I mean, Selby took a while to win one, then, then he won a couple. Judd's won a lot. Neil's won them, I think. You yeah. know, it's just like, yeah, we, you know, if you look through the list, it's it's heavyweights all the way, isn't it? And it and it, it's always like, you know, be, be careful making predictions if a lot of unknown players, you know, or lesser known players do well and some of those big names go out. It happens a lot in the UK, actually. Seems to be a whole load of favourites going out early one year. Yeah. You can bet your bottom dollar come the last eight, last four. It's still all heavyweights, which I guess goes to show how many, you know, this is what these guys tell us time and again, isn't it? How many good players there are uh, on tour now and how hard it is to win these things. Because, you know, it, we so often have those heavyweight finals and it can't be Judd, Judd again, surely. I mean, just law of averages. You can't, <laughs> you know, it's hard. To, you never know. He, he's that good. He's that good that, you wouldn't put some, wouldn't put four in a row past him, would you? No, you wouldn't. No, no. I've just pulled up the list here, and it did seem like that first season, sixteen, seventeen, was took some getting used to, I guess, for the big names because the four winners there were Liang Wenbo won the English, right. Mark King in Northern Ireland, Marco Fu, obviously a superb player, but not a regular winner, won the Scottish, and then Stuart Bingham won the Welsh. So um, that was much more mixed. But then since then. It's just been solid big names until Jordan Brown won the Welsh, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, of the last eight, Judd and Selby have won six of them. Is that right? Yeah, that, which is crazy, really, isn't it? Three each of the last eight, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, th- I think there'll be a few out in first round, actually, of the top 16 because of the unique circumstances. But, yeah, it'll still be, it'll still be, the ones you expect at the end and quite possibly Judge Trump. Exactly, yeah. It, the, the Selby English one was the one that got him back in the big time type thing, wasn't it? He had that long run. That was in Crawley. I always remember that. I was at that one. He beat David yeah. Gilbert. And beat yeah, him. thrashed him, yeah. And, and I think the Bingham one was maybe, is it the first one tournament he won since the world, maybe? I think he beat Judd in that final. So we, we've had loads of great finals as well. Mm. So often. I mean, what... There was that Robertson one in the Scottish just before Christmas. I've forgotten who he beat now. Was that Cow? Cow you paying? And it was really oh, yeah, back in back in 17-18, yeah. When Cow should have won that, shouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he totally missed a couple of real match balls if memory serves, cracking final just before Christmas. We are spoilt with with top finals, actually. You know, so you know, you where we had the odd one like Selby winning what nine one that time against Dave Gilbert, but generally speaking, they're, they're top final. So no reason to think why that trend won't continue. And we all will, of course, very much look forward to the Northern Ireland Open. And uh, we'd love to hear your views if you've got any on, on, on the tournament and uh, what you're seeing as the action unfolds. Contact us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us uh, at, at talkingsnooker. So it's talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. Phil, let's move on. And we have an email here from John Skilbeck, which we did promise we'd read out, didn't we? Uh, John, who we both know uh, and is a a terrific journalist and a a smashing chap, and we're very happy to help him out here. And I think some of you will be interested in this. He says, hello, Phil and Nick. Congratulations on your first 10 months of excellent podcasting. A great addition to the pantheon of must-listen sporting pods. They're very kind, John. Thank you. I hope you don't mind this cheeky request, but I'm writing a book about the 1982 World Championship. 
Alex Higgins, winning, Davis Knowles, etc. I'm grateful that many of the biggest names in the game have already been generous with their time and memories. And as I'm approaching deadline, I'm making a final push to get in touch with others who have stories to tell. If you could give this a plug on the pod, I'd be hugely grateful. So if any of your listeners happen to be a player, official, fan, or in any way connected with that fabulous tournament in 1982, I'd love to speak to them. If they served Bill Werben at his hotel breakfast, made Ray Reardon a gin and tonic, or even if they watched on TV from home and have a special memory, tell me about it. I like the idea of making Ray Reardon a gin and tonic. That sort of tickled me, actually. Um, now, the email address is the important thing. Crucible1982 at yahoo.com. So crucible1982 at yahoo.com. All and any contributions would be immensely welcome. Cheers, chaps. Hope to catch you at a tournament once the book's finished. John Skillerbeck, I know John's intending to have it published uh, coming up early next year into the spring. Perfect timing, 40 years since that uh, memorable tournament. And I was lucky uh, enough to speak to John myself a few days ago about the sort of broadcasting element of that era. Uh, John put it very nicely. He said, I know you're a great admirer of the TV characters of yesteryear. Indeed, I am. We spoke a lot about David Vine, uh, who uh, I've written about before, someone I've admired immensely. I know that many snooker fans of, of certain vintage will do. Also about some of the commentary and the sort of the nature of commentating in those days and how, how it was different to now. Um, but yes, we, we hope people will be interested to get in touch there, Phil, because, you know, it, John, John was actually saying, you know, you realise when you speak to people now how old they're getting, some people involved, how long ago that actually was, 40 years. I mean, heavens above. But, um, yes, it, we look forward to that coming out. And I, I think we'll get John on here, actually, maybe early next year, Phil, and, and talk about it, because it'll be interesting to sort of, to no doubt, maybe get a few nuggets out of John. Not too many, of course. He'll want to reveal those in the book, but yeah. maybe a, some of the interesting people. I know he's spoken to some really, some really special characters. I won't give anything away, but some really memorable characters from that era. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was saying to John, I think it's hardly rocket science. The image of Alex Higgins with the, with the sort of mouthing baby, baby. I, I can't believe there's been a more iconic image ever mm. in that theatre at that tournament. Maybe the Dennis Taylor wagging his finger and the cue in the air might rival it. But, I mean, the, the baby, baby thing, it totally transcended snooker and indeed sport. It was front of the paper it was on television news bulletins it, it's just a it was a huge moment so we wish John well it's a hell of a challenge to, to sum up a great event like that but I'm sure John will do brilliantly with it yeah looking forward to that definitely well yeah we'll certainly have him on for that and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would would like to buy his book um and I bet there's some all sorts of different stories in that some riotous some touching so uh we'll yeah looking forward to it and hopefully yeah if you've got anything at all do get in contact few years before I was born, so I can't help them, I'm afraid. Well, crucible1982 at yahoo.com with the important email address there. We wish you well, uh, of course, John, and we look forward to you joining us hopefully uh, next year. And actually one more plug, I promised I would mention M18 Snooker Blogs, established 2019, and it's uh, someone that loves writing about snooker, obviously, and there's lots of good stuff to read there. So you go to at M18 Snooker on Twitter. And we, we did say that we kind of try and plug the other audio services, but it doesn't mean that we won't. <laughs> if someone asks us, we're happy to, to sort of, um, you know, 
what, what's the right way of saying it? We're happy to advertise anybody that's involved in the sport and they're mm. promoting it and doing good things, aren't they? And I know we, Phil, you were very, very nice to put out a message, uh, including us, including us. You kept it in the family, but you also quite rightly pointed out that we had Mark Williams, didn't we, on, on the World Snooker Tour pod, which I've already mentioned, which is smashing last week. Mm. Jason Ferguson talking to the Talking Bulls pod. And of course, numero uno, last but certainly not least, the always brilliant snooker scene podcast with Dave Hendon, who had a, a mate of mine, Dave Tindall, on, who was bloody good value. And tell you what, brave, he took on, he took on Phil Yates. That's like that's like tackling the Queen Mother or Thor or Heard. You can't do that. But he's just he's just done it. He's just done it, didn't he? Well, he wasn't in the room when he did it, but yeah, it was still a bit sort of brave. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I did. I tweeted that because I, I listened to all those uh, in a day, I think, or maybe a day and a half. But I just thought, um, I mean, they're always they're always good. It's not like that was. Uh, it's not like sometimes some weeks they're poor. But I just thought that was an especially good week uh, when they're all excellent. Uh, and yeah, great to hear Dave on Dave's podcast. Uh, I, that was going to mention actually anyone who listened to that when Dave was talking about Dave Tyndall was talking about. Uh, venues for left-handers. Oh yes. Uh, well, where we're going on uh, on this weekend, the water uh, the waterfront hall, a hundred percent record for left-handers. Um, the only people that won there are Mark Williams and Judd Trump. So um, I forget what point he was actually making, <laughs> but it was a hundred percent record on left-handers there. So yeah, no, it was great. Uh, a great week for snooker podcasts. We were the only one who didn't have anyone on that week, oh. so we letting this side down. Definitely. But we won't be letting the side down soon, Phil. What a li- what a link that is, <laughs> because we have another guest lined up for you, and we're not going to keep this one secret like we did with John Burgo. We're going to announce it from the rooftops um, that joining us later this month, all being well, on October the twenty fifth, we're going to have one of uh, Snooker's uh, most fascinating characters, someone that had a brilliant, brilliant playing career which included victory at the Masters and is now already established as a simply brilliant broadcaster. It's only Alan McManus, Bill. We're only getting Alan on here. I mean, come on. I mean, I could, this is an audio service, so I'm the only one that can see your face. I mean, the words childlike delight spring to mind. You've got a smile. What a smile. You can't wait for Alan, can you? It takes a lot to get that out of me as well, to be fair. But um, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I'm always wary about announcing things early because I'm sure you've had this with loads of things before in journalism, but interviews can fall through and things like that. So that's why I think sometimes we're a bit wary of it. But I tell you what, the snooker fraternity in general are, are very reliable folk. They don't let you down very often. Um, and I'm sure Alan won't. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Um, great guy. Could talk about every possible facet of the game um, and we'll have endless questions for him but I'm sure anyone listening will as well so get them in um, to the normal avenues but yeah uh, I've been lucky enough to speak to Alan a couple of times um, and he's a very interesting chap so yeah we're looking forward to that a lot. Well I've told the story before when I was at the Crucible we were there for those two days and he was nattering away absolutely ages I'd been, I'd popped out somewhere, so I came in, I thought, oh, he's chatting to one of his old mates there. He's lattering away about the glory days for absolutely ages. Didn't really think much of it. Thought, oh, I'm a man of well, I'm typing away, doing my bits. And then you emerged. I thought, oh, no, Hague scoops us all again. (laughs) You spoke to him for ages, didn't you, there? But it was lovely, wasn't it? Typical him. So typically a lot of people in this sport just so generous with their time. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that was. Uh, if I, I'm sure no one will remember our scheduling at the Crucible, but the, the two of us only got a couple of days up there for COVID reasons. But uh, so I tried to make the most of it, and yeah, I had a nice hour with with Alan in the press room, which was great. Uh, talking about all sorts, and uh, he said a couple of lovely things about things he was looking forward to in retirement, which I won't mention now. But I'm looking forward to asking him if he's managed to enjoy them yet, because they really stuck with me. Oh, it's funny because he's one of those people that he, he does say things that stick with you. Because I remember when we both had, and I use the word privilege and don't use it lightly, when we had the privilege of being part of his very final press conference as, as a professional, actually, when we had it on Zoom. And I think I said it at the time, but, you know, typical of him, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, that he said that his, still his highlight was, was turning pro. Mm, well, not yeah. the Masters, not the crucible run to the semi, not the other brilliant successes he's had. But the but the but the turning professional. I thought, yeah, that says a lot. And I think we might have said it around Q school time that that really emphasises, you know, how bloody tough this sport can be, <laughs> and how that can still resonate with Alan, sort of decades on. That it was breaking into the sport and becoming a pro that was so special to him. Yeah, he, he, I remember that press conference really clearly. He seemed almost sort of uh, yeah. ill at ease that we were even doing it because he just thought. He, he looked like he didn't really know why anyone would be bothered that he was retiring. But of course, everyone is. Like he's, yes. uh, he's, he's become such a legend of the sport. And also thanks to um, everything he's doing now. Like he's such an all-rounder. He's great at everything. So, um, yeah, he's got he's got an awful lot of admirers in the in the game. So people very much do care. But even if he's, he seems a bit almost sheepish about it, doesn't he? He did, and, and I think that included something like, oh, I'm not sure the seniors tall want me. Well, they might do, Alan, if you think. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he's one of those where, is it, would it be a bit sick twixt and tween with him? He's not one that's never going to play again type thing, like a, like a Neil Foles. But same token, I don't think he's a Doug Mountjoy that's going to be doing the rounds and playing forever and a day. He'd probably play if he fancies, but essentially he's left it by. He, he, put it this way, he didn't feel, it didn't look or sound gutted about retiring it felt like he, he it was time for him wasn't it oh yeah no he sounded absolutely fine with it yeah completely um yeah i think the seniors i love the seniors and some people have played in it um i think for some people it just sounds if you've been on tour for that long i think for some people it just sounds like the last thing they want to do i think i mentioned to anthony hamilton and he said he'd rather shoot himself in the foot <laughs> <laughs> that's just him um, so yeah probably not for Alan but uh, yeah no we're, we're really looking forward to that so uh, that'll be one where we'll really need to be a bit strict with time because we could easily do three hours on that so we'll see what happens no question about it and yes we, sh we should say of course that we that it's dependent on life circumstances we don't always we have so far, we've got a very good record, I'm pleased to say. But yes, there, there is a chance it may not happen because Snook is very busy and Alan's particularly busy chap. But we, we hope to have him on around that 25th of October period. It will fit in nicely between the Northern Ireland and English Open. So a good chance to speak to Alan McManus and we'd love to hear from you. No doubt you've got questions for Alan. So mark them clearly for Alan McManus and email us talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at Talking Snooker, and we'll put those details on our, on our Twitter feed, I'm sure, um, in, the, in the sort of coming days and weeks as we build up to that. Um, I don't think we've got much else to say. We're going to have a Your Views next week, aren't we? Um, we've got some pesky questions in here, Phil. We've got some tough ones. I'm always thinking we only really like the... We normally filter out the hard ones, but unfortunately, um, one or two have slipped in. We've got some really interesting ones about 
potential different format for the for the British Open. A bit more on on, on Judd Trump and uh, playing Paul in America. Uh, the Crucible debate, of course. A very nice one from a German fan that we'll look forward to reading out. And, uh, well, someone that doesn't necessarily have entirely positive things to say about John Virgo and Dennis Taylor. We don't mind reading that out as well. The majority, the vast majority of correspondence we've had since we had John Virgo on here, uh, dropping that bombshell that he thinks it's uh, uh, going to be time up for him and Dennis Taylor at the BBC. The vast majority saying they're sorry about that, but not everyone is. And of course, we're welcome all views here. So we look forward to your views next week. And um, there's still a few more days for people to get those into us. But and the good thing is, Bill, we're hoping to record next Monday, aren't we? So we should have a few days of Northern Ireland Open action to, to talk about. I wonder if we'll be uh, talking about any early shocks or giant killings there. There's, there's bound to be some, I guess, isn't there, with all those lists of matches? But I uh, think so, yeah. On, on that Sunday, there'll be one or two pretty substantial shocks, I think, that we'll be able to talk about. I'm not going to say exactly who, but uh, yeah, at least two, I reckon. Why don't you say exactly who? Then we can put some money on and maybe win some. <laughs> not as easy as that, is it? No, um, well, I, I think I've mentioned one or two that I fancy more than others, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be getting my wallet out, but I am a tight Yorkshireman. <laughs> okay, well, on that <laughs> note, I think maybe we should, should we depart? Have we got anything else left to say or not really? No, I don't think so. Um, the only thing worth looking, if you're going to Google anything, you've listened to this, when I was looking at Robbie McGuigan earlier, when he won the when the Northern Ireland Amateur Snooker Championship, he became the youngest person ever to do it earlier this year. And I'm sort of known as a bit of a trophy guy on this. If you Google that win and look at the trophy that Robbie McGuigan won, it's as big as him, and I'm not even joking. It is enormous. So uh, treat yourself to having a look at that if you've not seen it before. It's an absolute beast. And, and quite beautiful as well at the same time. It's not just... What's well, it called? I want to look it up before we go off air. Well, it's the Northern Ireland Amateur Championship. Uh, I'm not sure what the, if the trophy's got a specific name itself, but yeah, just Google Robin McGuigan, Northern Ireland Amateur Champion. Um, he won it in July this year at just 17, so an, an amazing achievement. And I'll be surprised if he could carry the trophy home because it's whopping. I see. Well, that's that's yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's ludicrously big, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I see. What's a Northern Ireland trophy like? Well, they're all the same, aren't they? They're just those little glass things. Oh, of course they are. Yes, of course they are. Which I don't actually like. If I'm gonna, if they would really be near the bottom of my trophy ranking because uh, they're just all the same and they're not very inspiring. So uh, I'd like them to sort of mix them up again. Like the Welsh used to have that nice bit of slate, which I I know not everyone likes actually, but I I quite enjoyed that. Um, I'd like them to be more specific to the country, but uh, but I have no say in these matters, so it's irrelevant what I think. Man, well, we have no say in any matter. <laughs> um, of course, it is named. We should, should finish, I guess. Uh, I don't have to, but, but probably a nice thing to do to finish on quite a sort of poignant note. That of course it's the Alex Higgins Trophy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That they play for, and you know, it's important to say, isn't it, that whenever we go to these, you know home nations event there's always so much emotion linked with kind of past champions and northern ireland is right up there isn't it we talk about dennis and you know mark Allen's a big star now but it, it's always the ghost of alex higgins isn't it when we talk about northern ireland snooker he still looms large doesn't he as a character as an unforgettable force life force i guess in snooker and you know we john virgo was on here saying wasn't he that, that, that color tv the BBC and Alex Higgins were the reasons that, that snooker became so big. So 
it, you know, thoughts of him will always be sort of around, won't they? Whenever we have any kind of Northern Ireland association, it was when Mark Allen won the Masters. But when we go to Belfast or Snooker goes to Belfast, thoughts of him are always there, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Sort of unquantifiable what he's done for the sport. No one can really sum it up because, uh, as you say, it's, it was uh, you almost allowed it to become what it is now. Um, and yeah, that is a nice touch, actually. Um, when I was talking about those trophies, I meant specifically just what they look yeah, like. I, so. I, I do like I do like how they're named after the great players. That is a nice touch. Um, but yeah, uh, that is sort of you, it's easy to sort of hark back to older eras. And obviously Higgins's days were before my time, but I, I would have loved to have seen him in his pomp. And I think I would have been a big fan of his. Uh, I'm a big fan of his anyway, but it's sort of it's different when you're looking back to the past. But uh, if I'd have been growing up when he was a big star, I would have been uh, I'd been very much into Alex Higgins. So yeah, you're right about everything you say there. He's he's going to be a big uh, just a just a ever present in this game forevermore. I think. Yeah, of course I knew that you were merely talking about the aesthetics of the trophy yeah. wear, not anything specifically because they're all, they're all of course aren't they named after mm. Ray Ridden for Welsh, Hendry, for Steve Davis, Scotland Steve Hendry, Davis. yeah. I mean, there's just wonderful names from yesteryear, those great 70s, 80s stars that that, uh, that really took us to where we are now. We wouldn't be here on this podcast talking snooker, Phil, if it wasn't for those characters, un- undoubtedly. So we really look forward to the Northern Ireland Open. I think we should go. Thanks very much for your company. Enjoy Belfast. No doubt we'll be swapping messages with each other during it and then in this caught our eye. And we'll be back all being well next Monday with a combination of your views, but also the opening few days of the Northern Ireland Open. And uh, here's to a great tournament for, for snooker lovers everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it'll get great viewing figures because we've been starved of the action. I don't, want, I don't want to downplay the qualifiers in Barnsley too much, but it's not the same, is it? Um, so hopefully everyone will be tuning in and... Uh, yeah, I mean that. What those games on Saturday are worthwhile, but that Sunday is a real, a real cracker. That's all day, great matches. So yeah, we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting to all, you all on Twitter during that. It's not a bad slot as well. Just final point because it's international football, which is a mixed blessing for us in journalism, isn't it? Frankly, in sports journalism, we, <laughs> it means we have to work a lot harder, which we don't like, of course. But it, we have to generate more stories. But it also means it can be an element of a breather as well. And I think snooker may fit into that uh, mould quite nicely, especially next week when internationals are on, because it, it might have a little bit of attention to itself, certainly in the evenings. But anyway, that's that's about it. Great to be with you as ever, Phil. We'll see you next Monday. Keep your thoughts coming to us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. For now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.